There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to Deep Dish Radio. I'm still Tim Powers, and this is still my show. Hey, thanks very much for everybody who has tuned in new to Deep Dish Radio. If you are uh, one of the new listeners from the United Kingdom who has picked us up because of Ian Lee, or if you have come over from Ken Mills' awesome Zilch podcast, or if you're a fan of Bobby Hart or uh, or Family Affair because of uh, my interviews with Sissy and Jody, and uh, man, thank you so much. The the the. Our audience is growing, and the, uh, the audience response is even greater. If you want to interact with me, here's how you can do it. Email me, tim at deepdishradio.com. It's tim at deepdishradio.com. You can follow me on Twitter at deepdishradio. And uh, let's get into what this week's episode is all about. Uh, not that long ago, one of my very first guests was the very lovely and very talented Catherine Lee Scott, who... Uh, is an actress and is most famous for her role, arguably most famous for her role as uh, as Maggie Evans on the uh, 60s and 70s soap opera Dark Shadows. Uh, great show. Uh, she was on about 1,200 episodes <laughs> of that show. And they're all streaming on Hulu, so, uh, so turn off this show and go watch Dark Shadows on Hulu. It's a trip. It is so much fun. Uh, but you've also seen her on all kinds of stuff. You've seen her on the A-Team. You've seen her on Quincy. She did an episode of The Incredible Hulk. She was just recently killed in Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She did Magnum P.I. Uh, she was on Police Squad, for heaven's sake. Um, and uh, just just a fantastic lady with a fantastic resume. She's been all over the world, and she's written uh, quite a few books. And that's actually what brings her here today. We're not here to talk about her acting career, uh, which is noteworthy, no question at all. But her newest book, Last Dance at the Savoy, Life, Love, and Caring for Someone with Progressive Supernuclear Palsy, uh, has just come out. And this is, uh, while her previous books have been fiction and very, very enjoyable, this book, enjoyable as well, but nonfiction. This is actually the, the, the love story of Catherine and her husband, who, uh, in the course of their relationship, was diagnosed with, a, uh, with what's called PSP. It's a neurological disease, and there's no cure for it so far. And the story of how Catherine holds on, keeps her sanity, uh, keeps working, but also just pours out love for her husband throughout this whole story is, is very, very heartwarming. 
and uh, I brought her on because the, just there ain't enough love in the universe, and this is a fantastic. This is just a fantastic love story. In addition to bringing to light the importance of uh, PSP awareness. So if you know someone who's dealing with Lou Gehrig's disease or uh, or ALS or uh, any other motor motor um, motor affective disorders, um, things like PSP. This is really something you should check out. You can learn a lot from it. The book is called Last Dance at the Savoy, Life, Love, and Caring for Someone with Progressive Supernocular Palsy. And it's uh, the Kindle edition is only 10 bucks. It's available on, uh, on Amazon. And the Kindle edition is 10 bucks. The paperback is about $14. Um, and it's, you know, it's really something you should check out. But don't take my word for it. Let me introduce you once again to my friend, Catherine Lee Scott, Deep Dish Radio. In the book, you you tell the story of, of how you met your husband Jeff, and it is a beautiful, beautiful story, and uh, just such a such a fantastic love story. Could you kind of, in your own words and in your own voice, kind of give us the uh, high level view of how you met Jeff? Actually, I first met Jeff in uh, 1968. He uh, at the time I I was. Um, Oh, I was at a party, and Jeff showed up with Tom Wolfe in a white suit, of course. Tom Wolfe had just written uh, The Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test, right. and I had, I had just read it. And uh, and Jeff had already started Los Angeles Magazine, which was eight years ahead of New York Magazine, but Tom Wolfe was writing for New York Magazine. <laughs> and they showed up in the company of, of uh, a friend of mine, a photographer. And so I started talking to these three guys, uh, my friend introduced me to the other two, and Jeff and I just hit it off from the beginning. It, it was just uh, it was just magical. But I had a boyfriend at the time, and and um, and Jeff mentioned that he had a girlfriend. I was doing Dark Shadows in New York. I was doing the show live, right? And Jeff, of course, was running Los Angeles Magazine. We were a, we were a continent apart. So uh, there was no romance. I think there was just a crush on my part. And, and then we, we saw each other again a couple of times when I went out to Los Angeles because I, I did, I don't know, I, I did a couple of interview shows for Dark Shadows. And, and then uh, almost 20 years later, we ran into each other again by that time. Uh, I'd started Pomegranate Press. I had already published quite a number of books. And one of his editors selected one of my coffee table books. It was the Lobby Card book that Joan Bennett wrote the foreword to, right. uh, Lobby Cards, the Classic Films. Uh, they chose it as a Christmas gift book selection. Actually, CBS did, too. I had a very good year that year. <laughs> and... Um, and I went into the office to meet with the editor who was going to take me for lunch. And Jeff was there. And he walked down the hallway and he took my hand and said, it's been a long time. And and then we kept holding hands. And we walked down the hallway holding hands. And what year is and this? Then, this was this would have been 1988. Uh, okay. Uh, I mean, I met him in 68. This was 1988, 20 years later. And as the elevator doors were closing, he finally let go of my hand. And I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> wow. 
Right. We had lunch together the next day, and everything moved along very quickly after that. And uh, we married in the spring of uh, 1991. We were married May 27th, 1991. You moved quick. We moved pretty quickly, all things considered. Uh, Jeff's wife had passed away. She had multiple sclerosis. Wow. And I mention that because when Jeff was diagnosed with progressive supranuclear palsy, which is also a, you know, a, a, um, a movement disorder right. uh, and, a, and, a, and a brain disease, um, I think that Jeff had a, a better idea of what we were going to be dealing with than I did because he had already been a caregiver for his wife, Barbara, who passed away 12 years after she was diagnosed with MS, which was very quick. She never went into remission. I mean, there are people who can live with multiple sclerosis and Parkinson's disease for decades right. and and lead very good, full, active lives. Uh, in Barbara's case, she never went into remission, and she was diagnosed shortly after they were married, I think within the month of their marriage, right. and right. she passed away 12 years later. So Jeff had a very, very good idea of what we were facing. That's really interesting because, you know, Jeff's diagnosis took a long time. And well, yeah. So in the back of his mind, you know, when, when things started happening not quite right, you know, in the back of his head, he had to be doing the math. Well, you know, this is interesting. I've asked myself this. I mean, there, one always looks back. We had time when we could have maybe discussed all of these things, but... Honestly, you know, people pass away and you just think, why did we never talk about that? Um, uh, yes, there were indications that there was something wrong with Jeff. There was slurring speech. Um, there were many, many falls. He would always fall backward. But we always found an excuse for it that he had, you know, there was a, a crack in the sidewalk or the chair was wobbly or there was always a reason. And... And it took a long time before we really, really understood that there was a significant problem. Jeff may may have had an inkling before I did, because he would never let me go into, you know, when we did start seeing a neurologist, Jeff would not let me go into the examining room with him. Right. I thought it was just sort of a guy thing. But when things started getting really serious, I just said, I'm sorry. You've got to let me hear what the doctor is saying, um, and then of course, and and uh, at first the the doctors thought that Jeff had Parkinson's, and in fact, this family of diseases, and I should probably explain to your listeners a little bit about it. Yeah, uh, there's a family of five diseases essentially. There may be more, but essentially five diseases known as prime of life diseases. They used to be called Parkinson's plus, although. It's just a Parkinsonian syndrome. It's not really Parkinson's. Um, there are five of them. One, one is called corticobasal degeneration, CBD. There's multiple systems atrophy, MSA. Um, there's Lewy body with dementia, which is the disease that Robin Williams was diagnosed with. Um, there's also ALS. Everybody knows what Lou Gehrig's disease is because of Lou Gehrig, sure. ALS. Uh, but nobody knows about PSP, which strikes about 20,000 Americans, which is the same number as ALS, but nobody knows about PSP, which has claimed the lives of not only my husband, but Dudley Moore, 
And very recently, uh, maybe five months ago, uh, Richard Rainwater, uh, the billionaire financier, right. who through his foundation has donated millions and millions uh, to PSP research. Wow! So those are the those are the five diseases. Uh, Jeff had a very clear cut case of PSP. The hallmarks of that disease are mm -hmm. uh, you fall down uh, always backward. Um, it's called retropulsion. Now I know all of these terms. <laughs> um, and then uh, also um, the an inability to shift the eyes up and down. And I was always saying to Jeff, "Well, you wouldn't stumble if you were, you know, if you'd look where you're going." Um, he was not able to shift his eyes, and he would get angry with me when when I would ask him, you know, I'd point out something to the right or the left, and he would say, I've, "I'm doing something else." The point is, he couldn't look couldn't to the right. It. Sure. So there were a lot of uh, a lot of little things, but another thing that happens with this disease is that the symptoms keep changing. Uh, the slurring that I noticed for a while disappeared uh, to be replaced with um, a kind of impulsive behavior. He would all of a sudden move too quickly, and I would think, "Oh, well, that's why he's fallen." Um, he would also repeat things three times. I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. Uh, it's another symptom. So the symptoms kept changing. But when Jack was finally diagnosed with progressive supranuclear palsy, uh, and I looked it up and realized what we were going to be dealing with, um, we had only about four years. It was four years from diagnosis. It's usually wow. It's usually a disease that uh, results in fatality most often with pneumonia four to six years after diagnosis. So, uh, Tim, one of the reasons why I wrote Last Dance at the Savoy yeah. was, was really uh, to raise awareness of the disease and also to provide a book for other caregivers, letting them know what I learned, uh, because I wish I'd had a book like this, when Jeff was diagnosed, it was all brand new. It, uh, it was, the learning curve was terrific and, and there was no, um, no template that I, that I saw that I could follow. That's got to so, be difficult for, for you in that particular situation because with, with Lou Gehrig's disease and, and traditional, uh, forgive me for using the term traditional Parkinson's, there's all <laughs> kinds of support and there's all kinds of conventional knowledge and things like that. But with PSP, uh, it doesn't sound like there was a lot of support for you in that situation. What kind of, what kind of things did you have to lean on while you went through those four years with Jeff? Well, uh, one of Jeff's early doctors uh, made two suggestions. One, he said that there was a Parkinson's Plus support group. That's what it was called then. Okay. And, uh, and I went to that, and I have to say, I did not handle that first meeting very well. And I write about that in Last Dance at the Savoy because uh, it's very difficult when all of a sudden something this, uh, this major um, with such consequences happens and and and, it, and it, it's out of the blue so um i did not handle that first meeting very well because i saw people at the meeting who were in a much more advanced state than jeff so i could see what was down the road um so that was one thing uh there was a support group 
Um, but otherwise, uh, at that time, but there was very there was very little, and even the support group. Um, I met two women who were also dealing with uh, the sort of caregiving that I was dealing with. Right. I sort of bonded with them. But otherwise, there were so many things that I learned later that would have been helpful then. Uh, I didn't realize. Here's one good example. Great. I did not realize, uh, because it happened again and again, that, uh, you know, I would be helping Jeff in the middle of the night and and uh, he would just suddenly stop moving. Uh, and that's another symptom of the disease. The body just freezes, and he was rigid. And I would feel him slipping from my arms. There were a couple of times that we spent the night on the floor. I'd put a pillow under both our, you know, under our heads and right. pull a blanket over uh, until I could call the neighbor to come and help me the next morning. I didn't realize then that all you had to do was register with your local fire department and you know, you can give them a ring and they'll come in the middle of the night, no sirens, and uh, and help you in a non-emergency situation. Uh, they'll help pick you up off the floor. Wow. Um, and I, I didn't, I didn't think in terms of. Uh, I mean, there, there's, there's so many other things. For example, that I know now. We discovered this by accident, but it's in the book. Uh, singing helps release that mechanism in the brain that stops the body from moving, and. And w once we discovered it, whenever I was walking Jeff, uh, we would sing. We would sing everything from Bicycle Built for Two right. to Christian Soldiers <laughs> to Row, Row, Row Your Boat, whatever. Uh, uh, one, so, one night we were singing one, some Enchanted Evening from South Pacific. Um, anything to get those feet moving. So I do put a couple of things like, uh, well, actually quite a bit in, uh, in the book, really, just to say, here's something I found that worked. Try it. Wow. So that's, that's also why I wrote the book. And, you know, it's, it's, if this had happened 20 years ago, there would be a little more understanding about there not being a whole lot of, of resources available. But this is 2006, 2007. Yeah. And, you know, the Internet's in full force, right? So oh, it is. But uh, and I, what I always looked for on the Internet were the personal stories because, you know, as I've said, there was information about the disease, how, how long, it, you know, they, what the general lifespan of it was. All very clinical. All, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. But what I really wanted were stories from other people uh, because that's what you really need. You need to hear the stories of the day-to-day -day challenges, uh, this is this will come up. Here's how here's how we dealt with it. Um, it's the doctors can tell you, you know, a fair amount. The internet can provide information, right. but it's the it's the personal stories. Has there been an increase in those personal stories in the in the six years or five or six years since since Jeff's been yes. gone? Yeah, there are. Uh, my mine uh, is probably the most complete book. I say that only because, you know, you go on the internet and there are other uh, books, one of them only about 23 pages long. Right. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're uh, written by um, spouses or family members. 
um, of the sort of thing that, that I did. But my book contains a resource guide. It also has uh, an introduction by Dr. Yvette Bordelon, who is one of Jeff's doctors and who's on the board of Cure PSP. And she talks about the clinical trials and so on. And also, um, another benefit to my book is that one of Jeff's earliest doctors suggested that I keep uh, a journal. And I said, well, as a writer, I already do that. And he said, well, I'm suggesting that because there is no treatment or cure for this disease, we're going to be we're going to be prescribing medications off-label, meaning uh, medications meant for Parkinson's, like carbidopa levodopa, uh, known as cinnamon, right. or restless leg syndrome, or uh, Alzheimer's, none of which Jeff had. But there was always the chance that a medication might contain an ingredient that would uh, just improve Jeff's quality of life. So... Uh, he said, keep track of those medications and, uh, and you'll know on a day-to-day basis if there's any improvement. So my book actually is taken from the journal that I kept for essentially four years. So one can follow the progression of the disease and the medications that we used and what the benefits were. So it's a much more complete uh, uh, book than perhaps uh, some of the others are, thanks to uh, the the fact that that doctor told me to <laughs> keep a journal. I mean, it it provides it it became the template for the book. That's really really interesting. And your your skills as a writer, your you know just the fact that you have the daily habit of journaling had to make this. Oh yeah, a lot easier. So that's the, that's the thing, and I uh, and I I'm uh, I am a writer, so you know naturally this is this is something that I would do. So I'm very pleased that this book is out there. I would uh, obviously uh, it's it's helpful. Um, who whoever writes a book about this or puts something on the internet, it it all helps. The other thing is that Jeff uh, participated in a couple of clinical drug trials and also an environmental study in which I was his control. So I write about the clinical drug trials and also the fact that so much has now been poured into PSP research and it is benefiting uh, the the research into other diseases, including Alzheimer's. Wow. And the reason is that it is a brain disease. Uh, It's even helping those, you know, the... Uh, the football players and and someone who are uh, with who concussions have, are, and things like that. Exactly, mm-hmm. uh, the research into that is also very much a part of uh, Cure PSP research. Um, again, because they're discovering that it it has to do with a protein buildup. I'm not a doctor, so right. <laughs> uh, but uh, Dr. Yvette Bordelon has uh, discussed that uh, completely in her foreword. So there are many benefits to cure PSP research, and now I'm also a, a spokesperson for uh, cure PSP, uh, along with Patricia Richardson, whom you may remember from Home Improvement. Home, sure. Yeah, uh, her father passed away from PSP in 2007, oh my. and she is the national spokesperson for the disease. And now, um, when I did my book signings in Los Angeles last week, I did two of them actually, but Patricia and Yvette 
uh, supported me, and and uh, and and in fact, I had all all three of us up on stage doing a Q and A after one of my um, one of my talks. So anything that we can do to oh help other people who are feeling very isolated, this is an isolating disease. Right. Well, and, and that's kind of what I got from the book. I mean, there there are tons of clinical, in, there's tons of clinical information, there's tons of medical information about PSP, but really, your story is the story of this couplehood. And from 1970, okay, from 68 to to when you finally got married in 19, 1991, yeah. you know, you you had a few years, and there's some there's some real solid, beautiful romance there right up until the <laughs> diagnosis. And it's just, it's so sweet, and it's told from such... If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So a beautiful, sweet standpoint. And then there's this complication. Um, throughout the the four years that you had with Jeff afterwards, what kind of things did you do to keep keep the marriage, keep the relationship going? You know, oh, you know, this is interesting. I, I should probably explain that the the title of the book, Last Dance at the Savoy, uh, it has to do with the fact that when I I met Jeff again, of course, I was a very busy actress, and I was um, I was filming in England. I did a, a, a little television series there with Powers Booth called Chandler Town, uh, based on the, uh, the Chandler, um, you know, uh, short story, detective stories. Right. And I did a, uh, a few other things. And Jeff came over, and, and it was while we were dancing together at the Savoy Hotel uh, that we sort of realized that we wanted to spend the rest of our, our lives together. And so I used that, that sort of that, um, that metaphor throughout the book. And Jeff accompanied me quite often when I went off on location. And we, of course, did a lot of traveling because as editor of Los Angeles magazine, uh, there were there were lots of stories that he did, particularly on, you know, California and the coast. Right. Um, 
So, you know, we, uh, and also he went with me when I went to Italy as a, as a guest uh, at Steikam, which is the Italian uh, Star Trek fan club. Um, and every year they have a, a gathering. And so I, you did episodes of The Next Generation, Star Trek The Next Generation. That's right, I did. Who watches The Watchers in Star Trek The Next Generation? So Jeff went with me on that, and I describe all of that, and also the Dark Shadows festivals that we attended together, in some detail, because it was while doing Stycon, uh in Italy that Jeff had one of his worst falls, and we had to deal with it. Uh, also, when I was filming in England, uh, on another occasion, uh, we we had some problems. So, uh, interwoven in the book is very much the love story, and and the kind of life lives that we led together, and and how we dealt with this progressive neurological disorder. Well, and and it you know the the complications of. Um, I mean, marriage is never easy, <laughs> you know, second marriages are never easy. Um, no. and, and, and marriage and, and romance as you progress through life is never easy. And then, <laughs> and then complicated by, I mean, you know, uh, in order to keep things working, there's some effort to it, you know? Well, there is. And I'm sure that you got a chuckle out of it. By the way, Tim, yes. we, we've talked before about my other books and you know, I tend to write funny. Yes. So there's a lot of humor in this book. And I'm sure you laughed when you saw that uh, reference that I made to marriage. I said it, it's uh, it's like two planets revolving around each other in this strange solar system called marriage. That's exactly right. And, and it is. It can be very awkward. Uh, you know, Jeff and I both had strong personalities. And uh, we both had careers that were demanding. Um, somehow... Uh, I mean, our love sustained itself right up until the the last moment when he passed away in my arms. So it is, the book is very much a love story, but there's also a huge amount of humor in it. Because if you're a caregiver without a sense of humor, all is lost. Believe me. Yeah, I, I was, uh, when, I, when I got the, when I got the book, I'm like, oh, I, I, I don't want to see someone I, I, I esteem so much, you know, just suffer through this, this horrible thing. But you do it with such a sense of humor and, and such a, uh, and, you know, you walk away from it with so much peace um, that the, if I, if this were a work of fiction, I would say the character trajectory for Catherine uh, you know, has this wonderful resolution at the end where you where you come to peace about it and provide, um, a, you know, a nice template for someone who is going through the same thing. Um, can you tell me about some of the people that you've encountered as you as you processed all this? You know, while maybe while you're while you're with Jeff and you're dealing with the with the disease, or even afterwards as you're trying to to pick up the pieces and recover. Well, uh, well, first of all, one thing that, that did happen uh, just very shortly after Jeff passed away, um, uh, Tim Burton decided to do a, a, a Dark Shadows movie uh, with Johnny Depp. And uh, David Selby, Jonathan Frid, Lara Parker, and I flew to London to be in the film. Now, that was only, it was really just uh, a scant two months after Jeff passed away. Wow. And so the fact that I, and I did a lot of other work as well. So that, um, that made a, uh, 
that made a difference for me because I I jumped right back in. There were I say that this is an isolating disease because obviously I had to kick back on my acting work, um, certainly on my publishing work. Uh, the only thing I really could do was my my writing. And I wrote Dark Passages uh, during the time Jeff was ill. I also wrote a, a lengthy piece for Opera News magazine. And, um, and I also wrote uh, uh, Return to Collinwood, uh, the Dark Shadows book about the five decades of Dark Shadows. Right. Uh, so the writing is, was really what sustained me um, during that period of time. Uh, but then afterward, I really kind of jumped back in to some of the things I hadn't been able to do for a while. I did go to, to London. I write about that. Uh, that was only about three months before Jeff passed away. Uh, and it was, I look back on it now as one of the best things that I did. I was scared to go because Jeff was very ill, um, or ill. He was, how do I describe it? He he by then lost the ability to speak and he couldn't walk. But my brother came out from Minneapolis and and uh, looked after him and I had uh, full-time help in the house. But I went to London for five days. Uh, I had some business to do there. But also, lovely Julian Fellows, you know, who wrote Downton Abbey and right. his, uh, you know, Lord Fellows. And he and, and his wife invited me to the House of Lords and for, for lunch and that magical experience, my other friends who invited me for teas and dinners and uh, and it was one of those it was one of those things where I got completely away and I gained perspective on it. I was only considering flight time and everything. I was probably gone for about four and a half days, but that four and a half days gave me perspective. I came back and having been with Jeff every day, you don't necessarily see the huge change. But I came back and I fully understood that we were in the the last stages. And it really it really helped me in terms of acceptance and in grieving uh, and also, most importantly, in making the most of that precious last few months that we had. So, yes, I talk about that in the book as well, because a couple of times now recently, I have friends who are, you know, are in a caregiving situation, and I've encouraged them to take a couple of days to just, to just get away, do something totally different. And because you come back, you come back refreshed, but you come back with, with fresh eyes. Wow. Yeah, it's it's really yeah, perspective is a great thing, especially from a writer's standpoint, because you're you're always evaluating, you're always looking, you're always observing. You know, it's the, whether you're a writer or a comedian or a screenwriter or whatever. You know, you're always assessing your your environment and your relationships. Yeah, um, oh. and it's I mean that perspective is is uh, certainly a very very strong thing. Can, how did how did Jeff accept uh, you know as as he watched as he watched your time pass and he realized that the you know it, there was the, that there's a, a finite amount of time he had left how did he process that you know i th- i think again it had so much to do with the fact that uh his first wife barbara had ms and and i th- and jeff had 
tremendous grace anyway under pressure. Uh, he, he handled it beautifully. He was very accepting. His spirits were always good. I, uh, I think that there were probably uh, bouts of, of uh, you know, anger and why me, but I didn't, I didn't see them. I, I really marveled at it. I don't know how I would react getting a, a diagnosis like that. But I've since seen a couple of other friends get a bad diagnosis and handle it with tremendous grace. So maybe, maybe it's something that, uh, maybe it's something we're given just to see us through. Jeff was really wonderful through it all. I remember when people would say, how are you doing? He would say, could be worse. No pain, no discomfort. Uh, besides, this is life. Nobody gets out alive. I mean, he just had this wonderful, uh, wonderful attitude. Uh, the other thing that I did, and I talk about this in Last Dance at the Savoy because uh, it, it has so much to do with the title, but uh, especially in that last year, as he started to lose his voice and his, his ability to move, his mind was sharp. I would invite people over for, for dinner uh, and it was just, you know, two, one or two at a time so that uh, Jeff could totally concentrate on them. And, and if they were, if they were patient, he could speak. Uh, when he got even worse, I turned our, I turned our, our master bedroom into what amounted to a cocktail lounge. <laughs> and I simply let all of our friends know that we had happy hour between five and seven that meant that Jeff could get his strength together uh, during the day. He ha he anticipated that two hours. I I even put a little round table with a cloth and and um, chairs uh, near the the uh, the French doors that led out to the garden, uh, so that you know it had. And there was no sign of uh, that. Jeff was an invalid. He was in you know his uh, his chair, right? B um, but. Uh, otherwise, there was no medication. There was no smell of antiseptic and whatnot. We were at home, and I made it look as fresh and pretty as possible. And people would come over. They could have cake, coffee, a martini, uh, a beer, whatever, and and just sit and spend time in Jeff's company. And it was a very cheerful time. And I. I, I have to recommend that because, again, it's an isolating disease. With ALS, people know that with ALS, you are alert to the end. Mm -hmm. It's just that your body betrays you with mobility and speech. Um, it's, uh, it's a heartbreaking disease. But you did your best throughout, and it sounds like the, the transition could have been a lot worse but you you really took steps to um it's you didn't jeff had his own fortitude to keep him from having too much why is this happening to me and let that override his personality over the last 4 years plus he had if you'll pardon the phrase such an amazing cheerleader behind him <laughs> oh thanks for saying that but you know i i think just early on uh uh you always think, what if I find out that I've got six months to live or whatever? Right. Uh, how, how do I want to spend that? Well, 
boy, that's a personal choice. Um, my mother got just such a diagnosis, and I and I, I actually write about that in the book too, um, because she made her own personal choice, and I think she made a very very good one, uh, and she handled it with tremendous grace. When you when you um, when you know, uh, and, and not that many people get that chance, right. but when you know that you have a finite amount of time, how do you deal with it? How do you how do you want to leave this world? Were you did your mom consult you in in that decision, or did she just kind of lay it on you? Well, uh, no, she didn't consult us. I, okay. I have to be in London, and my mother called and and she said you remember that little lump in my neck well it's lymphoma and i'm not doing anything about it uh and i i i supported her i i said what what would you like me to do and she said i want you home i want you with me and uh and of course uh, we flew back um and i i took care of her the you know uh at the end of her life and yeah. and jeff was in la but because jeff was on his own that was when I fully realized that we had a problem because in marriage uh, or when two people are living together, even roommates, for heaven's sake, you tend to pick up the slack for the other person. Uh, and it happens over a period of time gradually and you don't realize what you're doing. Right. But I was doing all the packing. I was handling all the luggage. I was the one, you know, carrying I was doing everything without realizing that I was doing it. Jeff was on his own while I was caring for my mother. And, oh, did I see the difference. How did he do on his own? Well, he didn't do very well. I mean, friends would say, uh, you know, he wasn't able to put his jacket on. I had to help him with his jacket. Uh, we took him for dinner, and he had trouble getting into the car. Well, I... Uh, you know, uh, and uh, buttons weren't buttoned. Uh, and when I came home, you know, I saw that, uh, you know, jars didn't have their, their lids screwed on. That, In other words, he couldn't use two hands to do something like right. button, button or uh, screw a jar or, I mean, there were just tons of things. And uh, he'd also had a, a, a minor traffic accident. Um, and then, so he was the, driving, he, he, he was driving as he, as he's, as he's going through yes. all yes. of this because again, one does, Oh, you would be amazed at the number of people who have diminished ability, but, but because they, they learn or they, um, they uh, sort of accommodate right. their, their problems. It takes a while before you just think this, this person should not be driving. So uh, it just, all of this is in hindsight, when you're actually going through it. And when I was there with my mother, who decided not to have any chemo, just palliative care, right. which was her decision at the age of 93, God bless her, uh, she said, um, uh, rather than, you know, buy myself a few months uh, with chemo, uh, I'd rather go out with all my hair and feeling feeling fine and 
and spending time with my grandchildren and children. Prior to this, was she a was she a spry and kind of very kinda very active? Yeah, I. Oh my God, she was amazing. I mean, at ninety three, she was still driving. Of course, as right. a matter of fact, her driver license was due for renewal, and she said, "You know, I suppose I won't be driving much." any any longer <laughs> but i want to see if i can pass my test which she did she passed it only a couple weeks before she passed away now other than you how many how many kids and grandkids did she have well she's got uh, 10 grandkids and and uh and and uh, four children wow of course we were all around her when sure. she passed away and uh and and she just she was just uh how can i say this full of life um, but then, you know, she was, uh, she was in hospice care the last, uh, time, um, a bit of time. Uh, but I was there with her the, the whole time, which I'm so grateful for. Sure. Uh, and in, in a way it opened my eyes to what Jeff was going through. Another thing that I talk about in the book is the value of hospice care. Um, it shouldn't, it, it, it people think of it as end of life care. It is actually quality of life care because there are people who go on hospice and care and and improve and go off hospice care uh there are five criteria for being eligible okay um and it is pure palliative care uh but jeff was even in a clinical drug trial at the same time he was in home hospice care and and you get such good care and if you can avail yourself of it, it it so improves your life uh, when you are dealing with something for which there is no cure that that you know you you are not going to survive this disease. Right. So I'm I'm really I'm glad that we availed ourselves of that. I do talk about it in the book because so many people uh, you know struggle and they don't turn to it until. You know, they think of it as something that should should happen only in the final few days, and that's just not the case. Yeah, it. Well, I mean, so, with with regard to Jeff, you know, Jeff really comes across in your book as kind of a man's man. You know, he was he was a, <laughs> he, he was he, he was smart. He was uh, you know an editor of a of a major publication. He had this great. You know, backstory. I can't talk about him as anything other than a literary character because I never met the guy. But you know, he comes across as kind of this this Dashiell Hammond kind of noble, uh, <laughs> tough guy, right? And he was. He was very much a guy guy. Well, then you you then it yeah. came across beautifully in your writing, and to have him, you know, at the end of his days, reliant on such uh, a, a dedicated partner, had to at the same time be comforting and kind of kind of tough for him um but it's oh, Kim, it's, you just nailed it because i talk about that in last dance at the savoy also which is role reversal the big guy that you know always took care of you now needs to be taken care of or the wife who is always there fulfilling your needs now needs her needs taken care of yep. uh there is role reversal and it is really tough on both parties because, you know, I wanted my husband uh, and, uh, you know, uh, things had changed. So I do talk about that in a very candid way. Uh, I'm sure you're also referring to the fact that Princess Diana used to come and visit him all the time. Yes. Um, 
And of course, she she had already passed away. Jeff had a, a sweet spot for her anyway. We stayed up late watching her funeral. But um, I I remember coming up from the kitchen one day, and he told me that Princess Diana had dropped by. I was kind of shocked. <laughs> Uh, and then I, you know, I realized that whenever I was out of the room doing laundry or making lunch or doing something, getting the mail, she would sometimes drop in. I know this had to do with the progression of his disease and hallucinations from some of the medications. But I also realized that he, uh, he was lonely and that he had this secret visitor. And one time he told me that they'd had Cosmopolitans. Delightful. Um, I, had, I had no idea that that's what she liked to drink, but Jeff told me she did. Um, but anyway, it was, it was sort of delightful, and I would say, well, say hi to her from me. Sorry I missed her. But, you know, toward the end, uh, it's not dementia in Jeff's case. It is a kind of a, a hallucinations, which, you know, the doctor did warn me could happen. Um, but I, but I also, I'm not, I'm not so dumb <laughs> that I didn't realize uh, that I didn't realize what it was all about. Um, he, uh, you know, I was the caregiver. I was the, I was the person there to pump up the pillows and right. uh, do all of those other kinds of caregiving chores. And uh, if Princess Diana brought a little romance to his life. Um, so be it. Okay. <laughs> Catherine, do you think that your your training in theater helped you uh, um, deal with some of this stuff? Oh, gosh. I, my training in life. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean specifically but, uh, as, as an actress because what it sounds like you're doing is uh, is an improvisational exercise where you just you, – you're in your situation and you've heard the phrase, you yes and through it. Yeah, you yeah. agree and you move on. Yeah. I, I was certainly doing uh, a lot of that. It was, uh, it was uh, what you're referring to really is accepting the new normal. Right. Because almost every day there was something new. It was, uh-oh, he can't do that now. And, and then you think back a week ago, he could talk. Today he can't. So we would always hit these plateaus. And every morning when we woke up, it seemed to be one more thing. Um, so, yeah, you just say, ah, new normal. We'll have to adjust to that. Wow. So, yeah, it's very improvisatory. And then, uh, you, you know, you adjust to uh, a new life with, you know, Jeff, Jeff leaves you. And you have to you have to process that, and you have to come to peace with that. And here we are, five years later. I know. And you are, um, you know, you're helping people who are in the same situation as you. And at the same time, um, you know, you've published a few books since then. You've, yeah. you know, have the opportunity to 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 do some some audio books and some acting again. Um, what is life like for you now, Catherine? Well, life for me now is, is uh, well, I miss Jeff very, very much. I, of course. I, that'll, that'll always go on. But um, the Last Dance at the Savoy, Life, Love, and Caring for Someone with Progressive Supernuclear Palsy came out on April 16th, which was the fifth anniversary of Jeff's passing. It's available on Amazon in print book, ebook, and audio. 
And I will be attending the 50th anniversary of Dark Shadows in Terrytown on June 27th. How exciting. And I'm very excited about that because I'll be with, I, of course, I just saw Laura and David Selby and everybody two weeks ago. Right. Uh, but I will, I'll be with everybody um, again. I mean, we were all in the recording booth doing another big finish production. <laughs> uh, so, you know, Mitch Ryan, uh, Chris Pennock, Jimmy Storm, uh, Lisa Richardson, you know, we're all together. Um, and I saw John Carlin not that long ago. So uh, we'll all be together at the Dark Shadows Festival, June 27th in Terrytown, New York, at the Doubletree Hotel there. And that'll be a huge celebration. And I will have all of my recent books on hand, of course. Uh, I'll have Last Dance at the Savoy there, because everybody knew and loved Jeff. Uh, and I'll have Jinxed and Down and Out in Beverly Hills and Dark Shadows return to Collinwood and um, I'll have all of that there how exciting how yeah. how exciting are the, yeah, obviously Terrytown's coming up um, but are there new projects new books new, yes, new exciting I just, things um, just uh, two days ago I sent my agent my newest book which I've just completed it's a novel called September Girl it is not a mystery it's just a standalone women's fiction I'm very, very pleased to have that book finished. Um, I have no idea when, when it'll be published, but the book is done. So I'm going to take a little break now. Okay. Um, I'm gathering together all of the things that I want to auction off uh, at uh, the Dark Shadows Festival to raise funds for Cure PSP research. Um, I have a number of vintage memorabilia items that I am going to... Uh, um, you know, uh, these are uh, these are available. props that you these are props that just so, kind of left in your purse at the at the end of filming. <laughs> when you say vintage items, are they <laughs> are they they're not Dark Shadows props that you just kind of appropriated? <laughs> yes, um, I've got a few things. Oh, okay, one thing that I am going to be, remember famous Dick Smith, the legendary makeup artist who just passed away this last year. Right, uh, he created that wonderful latex um, uh, scar that uh, that I used right. in Dark Shadows, and that'll be one of the items that I'm auctioning off. You actually have the scar? I actually have it. That's funny. Yeah, my, my very first script, the, uh, episode one of 1,225 episodes. Right, because Ma Maggie uh, was in the very yeah. first episode. That's right. So all of those things will be auctioned. And that's all to raise money for... Uh, for ALS research, uh, the book is called Last Dance at the Savoy. It's available as a paperback. It's available as an ebook, and it's all available at Amazon.com. So uh, you know how to use Amazon. Go over there, look for Catherine Lee Scott and all of her books, but especially this one, Last Dance at the Savoy. Thanks again, Catherine. Always a pleasure to have you back on the show. And, uh, of course, you know you're welcome back anytime. If you have a guest you'd like to hear on this show, make sure you uh, you email them, you Facebook them, and tell them all about Deep Dish Radio with Tim Powers. Until next time, that's me, Tim Powers. See you later. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.